else get really emotional in baptisms like like Annabelle's just like I grew up in a Christian home and I'm like oh, no, <laughs> freaking out <laughs> welcome to New Hope if you're new here a very special welcome to you my name is Ash I'm the youth pastor here and it is a privilege um, to be sharing a message with you this evening don't like my chances of topping those baptisms but I'll give it a go um, but welcome tonight I want to talk to you uh, about perspective I want to talk to you about uh, um, how, you, how do you view life? How do you view the way you relate to people? How do you, re- you review the, uh, view the way you, you, you simply exist? What perspective do you have about, about your life? Um, and the passage I'm going to look at tonight, so there's sort of two big perspectives, two different ways um, that, that these people are, are living. This is post uh, Jesus has ascended into heaven. Um, and the Holy Spirit, the same one we've been singing about, the same one that has, um, has really empowered the four people um, who were baptized tonight to do this um, and has rescued them and saved them, uh, I believe with all my heart is at work in this room. And I believe he has, uh, he has big things ahead, ahead for everyone here. Um, so if you have your Bibles, if you could open up to Acts 2, I want to read 21 verses tonight. Uh, and I want to look at, not specifically a, a verse or unpacking a verse, I want to look at the situation that's going on and the story that's unfolding. Um, but why don't you, as you open your phones, Bibles, scrolls, whatever you got, um, to uh, say uh, to three people, can be right beside you, I don't mind, it is awesome that you are here tonight. Go. Cool. It is awesome you are all here. It is very awesome. Acts 2, 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. It's pretty creepy stuff, but awesome. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because one, uh, each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they, asked, Gal- they uh, asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Meso- Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. I'll let you read the two, next two for yourself. Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Uh, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them. 
and said, they have had too much wine. Peter addressed the crowd. Then uh, Peter addressed the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Prophet Joel lived years and years and years and years and years and years and years before this actually happened. Um, so these are pretty incredible words. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the glorious coming of the great and, uh, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we'll stop there. God's really challenged me with a question recently. Um, he, he brought it to me through a friend, actually, who, who were just talking about, about God and about Jesus. And, and the question was this. Do you believe, Ash, do you actually believe that God can move in Melbourne? Like this. Do you actually believe that the, the Spirit of God can move to rescue people in, in, in your city? Like, I see God moving all around the world, and I can, I can really see um, him, 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 like, just restoring brokenness all around me. But do I actually believe he can move here? And for the people in this room who don't yet know him, do I actually believe he can speak to you tonight? It's a question I've been challenged with. Tonight, the answer is yes. But if I'm honest, there's times in my life when, when I question that, when I wrestle with that. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, your son, Jesus, and the way that you are still on a mission to rescue broken people. Father, you are everything we've ever, we've ever needed, and you, are, you are, have a plan, Lord, for tonight. Um, you have a plan for each and every person in this room, Lord. You have a, a journey for them. I pray that you will, um, yeah, just help us to see more of you tonight. Help us to see more of you as we, I guess, forget ourselves and just just really be in awe of you in the same way the people were in the passage, God, just lost in the amazing person that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you guys ever had a flashback to when you were a child, like you're an adult, and something in your life happens, and you immediately have a bit of a flashback? Has anyone ever, ever had one of those? Yeah, a few of you, awesome. I had one of them the other night at, at youth group. Um, so two weeks ago, we had uh, a chocolate night. Anyone here for chocolate night, youth? It, it is pretty, yeah, a few of you. It was a lot of fun. We, we had about 120, 30 youth, and we get about 80 kilograms of chocolate, and we just eat it. Like, it is a crazy, crazy evening, so much hype. Picture the energy that some of your sevens have. Now, triple that. That's chocolate night. Only three people ended up with diabetes, though. So that's an up on the previous few years. So, it's a win, right? But uh, after the night, I was sitting there um, talking. No one ended up with diabetes, by the way. I was sitting there um, talking to some of my... The, I was standing there talking to a few of my girl leaders, and I turn around... And behind me, I didn't turn around yet, I heard a crash behind me. Just a bang. We're in the community events room, which is the one down the end there. I hear this smash. I turn around, and, and one of my leaders, who will remain unnamed, he, his name starts with C and ends in Erdis, but he, he, he had decided it was a good idea to surf the movable stage and uh, crash it into a wall. And it made this massive hole in the wall. 
glad Ben found that funny. Uh, it, it had a massive hole in the wall. And I had this flashback to when I was a kid, or I think it was like early teen years, and I'd put a hole in the wall at home. Growing up, for some reason, I'd made up in my mind that one of the worst things you could do as a kid was to break something in the house. Like, if I broke a window, we should just move. Like, we should, that's not worth repairing that. They're worth at least a million dollars each. Um, so, and I don't know where this came from. It might be really good parenting, but I had this fear of, of just breaking stuff in the house. Breaking bones was another story. I was the kid that always did dumb stuff and broke bones. I broke my arm in year eight by jumping into a pile of balloons. Like, I just fell through them and snapped my wrist. A really embarrassing story, and it didn't sound bad until I started telling people at school, and then they started laughing at me. But that's another story. But I, I was afraid of breaking stuff. And I had this flashback on Friday night to, to when I was, uh, yeah, in yeah, about 11 or 12, I would have been, uh, years old, and I, I think I was doing front flips into the bean bag, and I just put my heel into the wall, and uh, I just freaked out. Like, I just was like... I'm grounded forever. This is the worst thing in the world. Uh, my parents will never forgive me for this. I think I even tried to grab the bean bag and like angle it up against the wall so my parents would never know. Uh, that's a genius idea, right? My mum is a clean freak, so that bean bag, uh, it, she's going to notice straight away that that's out of place. So uh, I, I stood no chance. I was just freaking out. And, and when I was, when I was uh, looking at this much larger hole in the wall on Friday night, I was uh, not phased by it. And I was, just had this flashback to how afraid I was when I was younger by this hole in the wall and how that didn't phase me so much now. Now, that could be because I don't have to fix it. That could be because uh, the legendary Mike Henshaw, who, who's the guy who does everything backstage and no one ever sees him do it, uh, uh, he's an amazing guy. He's, he's the bald guy that put this thing on the stage, so if you see him, pat him on the back or rub his head for luck. Uh, that, ooh, don't, he's going to kill me for that one, but do it. Go for it. I've said it now. Um, it could have been because I didn't have to fix the hole, or it could have been, which I think this is more likely, that I just grew up. And I realized that holes in the wall weren't that big of a deal. Holes in the wall can be fixed. Doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter that much. But I still was wondering, like, how weird is it that I can go from these two complete opposite perspectives, these two different emotional reactions, um, to a very similar situation? In this passage tonight, there's, there's a couple of different reactions to what's going on here. There are people on the inside joining into the party that Jesus, is, the Holy Spirit is doing. And there are people on the outside kind of looking in through the window or sitting in the corner of a room just kind of back a little bit, just a bit weirded out by it, just a bit worried. What is going on? They've had too much wine, they say. They're trying to justify what's going on here. Um, and there are these two very opposite views. Now, what's led up to this point is Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, he ha- has got his, all his disciples together. He spent a bunch, a few days, um, a, a few weeks rather, uh, on the earth building his church, and he has ascended into heaven. He, is, he has literally floated into heaven, and, and he's said to his disciples, uh, I, I want you to go and make more disciples. I want you to go and make more followers of me. Go and build my kingdom. Uh, but wait for the Holy Spirit. Just, just wait for me, because if you guys go do it on your own, you're going to wreck this. You need me. 
wait for the Holy Spirit. So he, he, he sends them off, and, and this, is what, this is the moment where the Holy Spirit actually comes and, and fills them, the moment they've been waiting for, the moment all of them have been waiting for. Uh, and it's very interesting seeing the sort of two different angles, the two different reactions um, to what is going on in this picture. I think the people who are afraid, I still think they're a part of the group that's following Jesus. Like, they're there. They're not there to attack them. They're not there to, to fight them. They're, they're a part of the, the same community. It's just that there's two different responses to, to what's going on here. There are people completely over, overwhelmed and undone by how awesome God is, and there are people a bit afraid of how awesome God is, and a bit um, confused, and a bit just trying to explain what's going on, even though nothing can possibly explain this. And it got me thinking, as I was thinking about the two different sort of perspectives in this passage, two different um, views and reactions to the Holy Spirit at work, what side of that fence, what side of that glass do I sit on? What if it was me? What if it was me right now? What would I do? What would I do? Would I join in the party? Would I, would I be completely filled with this joy that, that these guys are experiencing? And, or would I freak out a bit, point and laugh and make fun and try and justify it? They've had too much wine. They've, they've, um, there's obviously something wrong here because it's a bit out there for God, I think, from my understanding of how he moves and how he how he works. So often on the out, I find myself on the outside looking in. Because I'm afraid. See, there's two, di- two different perspectives there. There's one that leads to freedom. These guys completely just overwhelmed and undone before Jesus. And there are those who are afraid. There's two different perspectives, fear or freedom. A lot of the times, I think I miss out on the freedom that is found um, by, spirit, by being led by the Spirit of God um, because I'm afraid. I don't know where he'll lead me. I think it might cost me too much. I think, I think you know, maybe he'll lead me a place I don't want to go. Maybe, maybe it'll be too much for me. And I'm afraid, and I don't actually step in. So when I'm prompted at the supermarket to go and pray for the random person, I don't do it. When, I'm, when, I, when I want to share my faith with a close friend even sometimes, I'm like, oh, I don't want to lose this friendship. And I just stay on the outside looking in. And I I buy into the lie that um, what God wants for me is, is, is sort of a half-life, half a, a life where I can stand behind the glass and be content with that, a life where I, I, can, uh, I can justify everything in my, in my faith by, by, because it makes sense. And a lot of the time, my faith, some, not all the time, a lot of the time, uh, it's, I, I settle for the the idea that what God wants from me is to merely follow rules. What he wants from me is to just look good. So I'll look good on Sunday and the stuff I don't want you to see, I'll hide just as long as I keep looking good. Even though that's my attitude towards life, my mind will haunt me at night. You know, if that's my attitude towards life, that won't satisfy the depths of my soul. He's called me to live fully for the Spirit, and I am so quick to become content with a half-life of merely ticking boxes for Him, even though that's nothing close to what He wants for me. No idea. I, it's that, that, have you ever heard that C.S. Lewis quote? We're like kids in the ghetto, 
playing in the mud because we cannot imagine what is meant by a holiday at the sea. We're far too easily pleased, and that is sometimes, sometimes the truth of my heart, if I'm really brutally honest with you. Like this God of the Bible, like that's the furthest thing that he wants from me. Like these, these people in here are so pumped about God. They're so, so just on fire. Like Jesus is lighting them up through the power of his spirit. And we see that through the whole of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. This God who calls us, come and know me. Come and walk with me. Come and let me fill you. Let me lead you. Let me love you. Let me press into you. Come, I am everything you've ever wanted. I am an inexhaustible source of joy. Come and I will be enough for you. My son died for you. I am what you are looking for. And so often I will respond to that with, no thanks God, I'm just trying not to swear in traffic. Thanks, God, I'm just trying not to fight with my wife. Thanks, God, I'm, I'm all right. And I'm missing out. I'm missing out. And my call tonight is to a life of boldness for him. Because I'm convinced that when we play it safe, speaking to the Christians in the room right now, when we play it safe, we are the ones who miss out. We are the ones who miss out on the freedom that these disciples are experiencing as they are just in awe of the Holy Spirit and God. They're completely overwhelmed and they are so free. They do not care that there are people looking at them, laughing at them. They don't care. They're just amazed at who he is and how incredible he is and how he moves in ways that we could never predict or or even get our heads around. What if we were to step out that way? Two different perspectives of the Christian faith. Only one that I believe satisfies the soul. Only one that I believe we were actually created to live. And that's led by the Spirit into every situation and every day. What would it look like if we were to go into, if you were to go into your workplaces tomorrow, if you were to go into your meetings and, and you were literally to go into them and pray before you went in, God, I'm going to look for you in this meeting. I'm going to wait for you to show up. I'm going to, uh, where are you, God? Like you went into your day looking for him, and just waiting for him to show up. Because I believe he actually does show up. I believe we're the ones that just miss it. I believe he's actually already in our workplaces He's not dependent on us to expect him to come to actually be there. But our joy, I believe, is it sort of hangs on our expectancy and our ability to see him. I think our prayer was, God, open my eyes to what you're doing in my life. Open my eyes to the way you're moving, to the way you are, you're at work in my workplace and through my, through my life and in my heart. What are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you? He's there already. I guess that's my challenge, is, is to, that you do that, that you leave this place and expect him to show up on your Monday to Saturday, not just here on a Sunday. It's the same God that's meeting you here and doing stuff inside here is wanting to do the same thing out there. But I shall look crazy. I look silly. <laughs> I don't want to look like that. Here's the truth. If you follow Jesus, you already look silly to most people. 
Have you actually thought about what you believe? <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy what we believe. Like, when we actually say it out loud, like, we believe that God sent his son into the world, born of a virgin. <laughs> she hadn't had sex. Born of a vir- Imagine her trying to explain that to everyone. She'd probably just give up, right? Like, it's God again. <laughs> it's crazy. Born of a virgin spends 30 years relatively unnoticed to then have three years of his public ministry to build his kingdom, the kingdom that still is being built today and the church is still growing today despite what the media says. Starts there and then it ends with, with God ultimately, Roman soldiers, but it's God's idea, crushing his son on a cross, crucifying him and pouring his wrath and for, for your sin and mine on him, him dying, the soldiers stabbing him in the side to make sure he's really dead. And then this guy, uh, Jesus, he rose from the dead three days later. He then did ministry for a few weeks and then rose into heaven. <laughs> like we believe that if you, can, if you want assurance of salvation, if you can honestly believe that, that is the Holy Spirit that's done a work in you because that is crazy. That is crazy. You already look crazy, man. <laughs> Why don't we live in that? Look at our world. Look at the brokenness of our world. Look at all the mental illness in Melbourne. The, the ridiculous stats of domestic abuse and sexual abuse and violence and rape and all kinds of crap. Normal isn't working. It's not working. And maybe what the world needs is a few more crazy Christians ready to love people like Jesus would. Maybe, maybe the call is to go and to be bold and to be brave and to do it together, not on our own. We're called to do it together. We're better together. We're better together. Normal isn't working. And I think the call tonight is for boldness, for bravery. And for those of you who don't know him, those of you who don't know him, you're welcome here. Jesus died. He didn't just die for the ones in the room that raised their hands in worship. He died for you. He died for you. And I'm sorry if your understanding of Christianity is a bunch of people that try and do a bunch of good stuff to get into heaven. If my ability to get into heaven is based on my ability to do a bunch of good stuff, I am stuffed. I am absolutely stuffed. Christianity is about Jesus and Jesus alone. And us following him and building his kingdom, the kingdom of God on the earth. It's about him. If you don't know him, this is what you need to know. He came and died for you. When Jesus died, it was for you. And there is a bunch of ways in this world to improve your life. There is a bunch of diets you can go on. There is a bunch of fitness regimes. There is a bunch of, of um, exercises you can do mentally and physically. There's a bunch of stuff. There's so many self-help books out there. But here's what they can never do that Jesus can. Satisfy your soul. Satisfy that thing inside you that feels empty, that feels like it's missing something. That's a space for Jesus. <laughs> you were created to be in relationship with him. 
And I know, I know there'll be people in this room that, that feel like, well, Ash, no, I, I haven't. Jesus might die for sins, but I haven't sinned. The cross is a giant stamp over everyone in humanity. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. But on the other hand, some of you in this room feel like you're too far gone. Some of you in this room feel like you've messed up too much. And there's no way that anyone could love you, let alone God. For you, in the same way the cross is a stamp over those of us who have sin. Yes, we have. The cross is a stamp over you who think you have gone too far. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Matt Chandler, my favorite preacher, says it's best. He says it's best. There's no sin that has more power than the cross of Christ. None. None. And you are welcome here. The prophet Joel that Peter quotes says in verse 21, and everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You're not too far gone. So come home. Come join the party. You're welcome here. I'm going to pray. Uh, I'll invite the band back up as I'm praying. But that's my call to everyone in here. If you don't know him, come home. If you do know him, step out. Let's be brave. Let's, let's live as Christ calls us to do. Let me pray for you all. Dear Lord, thank you for everyone here. Thank you for your son. Thank you that he is enough. Thank you that only he can satisfy our broken, our broken hearts and our broken souls. Jesus, you are a healer and you are a restorer. And the story of the Bible is redemption. Lord, you are redeeming. You are calling people back towards yourself. You are all that we need. And you love us so much. Would you teach us to love you the way that you love us? Would we be in awe of you, Lord? In the same way the people in Acts 2 are experiencing you and just in wonder of you. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that that would be our story. And that we would be known not for, not for merely our our being or doing good deeds. We will be known as people who are so in love with you. We can't help but invite others to be in relationship with you. You're enough. Would you send us out, Lord? For those in this room who don't know you, would you call them now? Whatever way you want. Lord, is it through verbally calling them right now? Is it through the words of the worship? Is it through something I've said, Lord Jesus, that's stirring their spirit, stirring their soul? Father, would you show them that that is you at work, that that is not my words or anything that I've, I've done or anything that I am, but Jesus, you are enough. You are calling people to yourself right now. With those who are in relationship with you and those who are not. Would you build your church, Lord Jesus? Amen.